0: Well, amen, that's good. Take your Bible to the book of John this morning, John chapter number 17. Once again, John 17, known as the priestly prayer of our Lord. It is known as the Lord's Prayer. The one in Matthew is not the Lord's Prayer, it's the model prayer. And so this is the prayer that our Lord prayed just a few hours before his death. He's with his disciples, 11 of them. They're on their way from the upper room to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he prayed as if it were great drops of blood. It was there that uh, Peter brought the crowd and, and denied the Lord. So about six, seven hours before the denial, before the crucifixion, before the cruel, ungodly, inhumane treatment of Calvary, our Lord is walking with his 11 disciples to the garden and immediately and instantly, without any notification, he just stops and begins to pray. Verse 1. And the Bible says, these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father... The hour is come, glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. Verse 9, I pray for them. I pray for them. What a tremendous statement made by the creator, the sustainer, the originator, the designer of all that you and I see, feel, experience. He is praying to his father for his disciples. What a great thing it is to be prayed for. We all need prayer. We all need to pray. We not only need to pray for each other, we need to pray with each other. Because prayer makes an intimate situation more intimate. What a wonderful knowledge to know that our Lord is praying for His disciples. Verse 20. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ through the words of these disciples and apostles that has written the word of God? Have you believed? On him through their word. Question, are you saved today? If you are saved today, you have someone praying for you. It's not your preacher praying for you, although I do. I pray for you on a regular basis. I pray that you would hurry up and take care of me. It's a good thing to know that you have friends and associates and brothers and sisters in Christ praying for you. But what's more refreshing and more encouraging is to know that Jesus Christ is praying for you. He might know you need it. (laughs) Can you say amen? Some of the dumb things we do, we mean more than prayer sometimes. But our Lord is praying for you. Robert McShahan once said, If I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet distance makes no difference. He is praying for you. Right now. In your Bible, Hebrews chapter number 7, verse 25. The Bible says, Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come to him unto God by him. Now here's the key, the last phrase in that verse. Hebrews seven twenty-five, Seeing he ever liveth. To make intercession for them. You know what's going on in heaven right now? Jesus Christ, your Savior, is seated at the right hand of God the Father. And every time the devil, the dirty henchman, accuses you, Jesus intercedes for you in your behalf. He's praying for you and I right now. Hebrews 9 and verse 24, if you would please, it's close there. Hebrews 9 and 24. For Christ hath not entered into the holy places made with hands, which is are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself. Look at this phrase. Now to appear in the presence of God for who? Say what? Let's say that real good. For who? Us. God the Father seated in heaven, Jesus Christ at his right hand. Jesus enters the holy of holies of heaven there to intercede and there to be your spokesman, your attorney, your representative In heaven. For us. That ought to turn your smile. Your frown upside down. That ought to put some glory bells ringing in your soul. Romans chapter 8 verse 34 says. It is Christ that has died. Yea rather is risen again. who." as even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. I don't know if you know this or not, but the Bible says that Jesus Christ is praying for you. Now, why in the world and what is his concern for us today? Is there anybody here today believe there's a real live devil running around somewhere? Is there anybody here today that might have the comprehension that he has a legion of fallen demons and weirdos that's just trying to lure and suck us down? And Jesus knew when he was leaving that it wasn't going to be easy for a Christian. Dr. Moody, Dr. Moody was having a, having a testimony service one night. And a guy stood up and said, preacher, since I've been saved, I've been living on a mountain. Moody said, how many souls you want up there? He said, none. Moody said, you're too high, son. You're too high. How many souls you won?" Preacher, since I've been saved, everything's just fine. Maybe God knows everything ain't going to stay fine. Did you know that tomorrow you may lose your job and still be saved? Did you know that tomorrow you may start tithing today and tomorrow you lose your job and you're still saved? Did you know tomorrow your wife may look at you and say, You make me sick? You said, one day too late. She said, yesterday. (laughs) Did you know that those kids that you think are just little precious angels grow up to be teenagers? (laughs) Jesus knew that those 12 or 11 men he was talking about was going to have a rough road to hoe. After he's gone. Notice verse 11. Verse 12. And verse 15. Jesus prays for these men's. Protection. He says in verse number 12, I think it is, if you look please at verse 11 first, the Bible said, now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world and I come unto thee. Now notice, they're in the world. I'm going to be gone, but they're going to be left. In other words, in days to come. In other words, after the resurrection. In other words, after when the persecution starts and after they start have to hide and have meetings in caves and and in the dark alleys of the world, after they're gone, hold Father, keep thou through thy name. He's praying for protection. Is there a mother here today that has watched their little kids go off to school for the very first day? And did you pray? Dear God, may my kid not burn down the school today. Lord, please, if they hurt the teacher, let it not be fatal. <laughs> no. You know what you pray for? You pray, dear God, protect them. Keep them from all the ills and all the wrongs that's going on. And that's what Jesus, like a mother hymn over his children, included us. And he prays. Lord, when they go to Mexico and the drug cartel and the and the outlaws and the enemies of righteousness begin to shoot their guns. Lord, keep our missionaries safe. And Lord, when our wives go out into the marketplace to work and they're confronted with every evil in the world and every weirdo in the world and all the vices of the world. Oh, God, keep my Christian wives safe. Holy Father, keep them through thy Name. Do you know another name under heaven that is more powerful than that name? Our president sends representatives all over the world called ambassadors. They do not go in their name. They go in the most powerful name in this world, the name of the President of the United States. And that name has power. That name has influence. That name has repercussions. And Jesus said to those disciples and to the Father, Lord, keep them in thy name. Verse 12. Hey, it ought to please you today to know that Jesus loves you so much that he's praying for you right now. Verse 12, the Bible said, I have kept them. Yes, I have kept them in thy name. Notice, I have kept and none of them is lost but the son of perdition that the scriptures might be fulfilled. The 12 you gave me, Lord, I've kept those that were really genuinely saved. I've kept the 11 and the son of perdition. Judas was never saved and born again. He's lost, but I've kept those that you've given me. He's praying for protection, bless your heart. Look at, if you would please, at verse 15. He said, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the, what? Or the evil one. By the way, let me share this, will you? He is praying for their spiritual protection. Oh, he is praying that God would keep them spiritually safe. Because these men all were martyred. These men were crucified upside down. They were stoned. They were sawed asunder. These men suffered great physical persecution. God is asking the Lord, keep them spiritually safe if you please. Oh, we're more worried about the physical. We'll dress right. We'll come to church and sit in our pews. But inwardly, we're mean as a junkyard dog. Jealous and envious and hateful and sarcastic. And we say, oh dear God, what good Christians we are. Look how we dress. No, keep them spiritually. Keep their heart right. Keep their attitude right. Keep them going in the right direction, Lord. What should it profit them if they gain over and lose that which is precious and forever their own soul? Sure, he cares about us physically, but he's more concerned about us spiritually. When our homes are falling apart by the scores. When our children are no more importance than some little floozy or some stud duck down at the workplace. We're in trouble in America. Amen and amen. Keep them, dear God. Keep them in the world, if you would, please. Oh, let me, I I just believe with all my heart, I I can pick out maybe three elements that I'd like to talk to you about in this prayer today. Verse 9, I pray for them. Verse 20, neither pray I for them alone, but for them also, which shall believe on me through thy word. Notice, if you would, please, the place of the prayer. We will talk about the place of the prayer. Notice, it was His coming. He was coming to the end of His work. Verse number 4. Look at this. I have glorified Thee on the earth. Now notice this next phrase. I have finished the work which Thou gavest me to do. Finished. The place in His life that He prayed this prayer Was at the conclusion of him finishing what God had sent him to do. The place of the prayer is at the conclusion of what God had sent him to this earth to do. He came to this earth to glorify the Father's name. He came to this earth to seek and to save sinners. He came to this world to hang on an old rugged cross and pay sin's debt and fulfill the Mosaic law. And Jesus Christ said, tomorrow it will be done. Tomorrow it is finished. And that suggests to me the reason for his coming. It was for us. Jesus one day was walking down the road and he saw a little short guy up a sycamore tree. And I kind of feel like that guy. I've been up a tree all my life. <laughs> and Jesus walked under that sycamore tree. And looked up in that tree and he said. Jacques, Come down out of that tree. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Finished. Listen to me today. It's finished. You don't have to do to go to heaven. It's already been done. You can't earn your way to heaven. Dear God, some of you can't even qualify for a Walmart credit card. And you're trying to get to heaven on your merit? And if you got a Walmart credit card, it's full of the limit. You can't charge anything else. You cannot earn by your way to heaven. Jesus Christ came into this world. And he said in his prayer, I have finished it. It is done. And on the cross of Calvary, you remember what he said before he bowed his head? He bowed, he looked up and said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. He has finished it. It's done. He came for you and for me. Died. It's done. All you have to do is to trust him with your soul. And that's it. It's finished. He came to this old world for us. Secondly, he came. His cross was for us. That cross that he hung on. But God commended his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ did what? Died for us. His coming was for us. His cross was for us. His concern was for us. Notice verse 9, I pray for them. Verse 20, I pray not only for them, but for all of them. Hey, look, he cares about you. I used to sing a song years ago, forgot the words, No one ever cared for me like Jesus. You forget it. My mom loved me. My dad loves me. My wife loves me sometimes. um, And my kids love me. Well, I don't know about that. But I do know for sure Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. Jesus loves us. Yes, he does. And I just want you to know, the place of his prayer was at the end of his life. The purpose of his prayer, we will find that in three verses in the text. Have you got your text there? Look in your Bible. Three places, three verses that tells us the purpose of the prayer. Notice, if you would, please, I will first begin reading in verse number 15. The Bible said, I pray not for that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but, 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 but that thou shouldest keep them in the world. Thou keep them from the evil. Keep them from. Be careful now. Not in. Keep them from. Jesus said, It would be a lot better for my children if they wouldn't get into trouble before they start praying. Keep them from. Not keep them in. You know what I try to do? I try to keep our teenagers from. That's why I preach abstinence. That's booze, cigarettes, beer, buddies, bedrooms, back seats of cars. Keep them from. That went over like a pregnant pole vaulter, didn't it? I am praying, dear Father, to keep them from. He's praying for our preservation. It is said, I don't know, but in 1990, a Subaru car commercial shows a Volvo headed toward a wall and then in slow motion crashing into the wall. The Volvo is built so sturdily that the passengers are not hurt in spite of the severe nature of the crash. Then a Subaru is shown headed at the wall at a super high rate. And at the last possible moment, the driver slams on the brakes and the Subaru stops, itches from in the wall. And then the announcer then cuts in and asks, what would you prefer? To live through the wreck or not to get in the wreck in the first place? The only thing Jesus is praying, dear God, please don't let them have a wreck. Lord, they're just... They have a free volition. They, they can make choices on their long own. But oh dear Father, Holy Father, keep them from the wreck. Some of you already say it's too late. I've done wrecked. Kids, listen to me. You don't have to end up with a wreck. Amen. Stay pure don't start feeling around and touchy, touchy, touchy. Keep your tongue in your mouth. That's where it belongs. If God want a tongue in your ear to put one there. Amen. Say amen, preacher. Say amen. amen. <laughs> Holy Father. I pray that you'd give them some breaks That they wouldn't hit the wall That's why he's praying for us Dear God He don't enjoy the wrecks of our life Keep them from That's preservation Can I show you another verse? Notice verse number 17 He's praying for our sanctification. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And we Baptists, we've, we've got that word mixed up, sanctification. That sanctification is, is so getting away from the world. And we dress so differently that everybody looks at us and says, They must be a Christian and get on the internet and start talking to somebody else's wife. Jesus praying about a heart sanctification. He's praying that our interbeing, our, our heart, would be sanctified and set apart. Dear God, it's a lot easier to put on good clothes than it is to get all the trash out of your life. Someone has said it's easier to judge somebody else's 10,000 sins than it is to kill one of ours. He knows us. Notice I said us. Didn't say you, us. He knows us. Now I don't have any trouble with women. Because my wife put out a contract a long time ago. I got a deacon board. Every one of them said they'd kill me if I got in trouble. I got one or two friends who's got guns. I won't have to worry about that. But every once in a while I kind of worry about flying off the handle. Somebody passed me in traffic and acts like they just had a birthday and it's their first one. (laughs) I know that don't bother you. Or I'm in a line of traffic, 21 of us going five miles over their speed limit. Guess who gets pulled over? (laughs) Now only that, guess who's in the driver's side praying that I'll get a ticket? True love. (laughs) One thing about this church, you always get a lot of help when you're preaching. You ever notice that? Uh, He's praying for our preservation. He's praying for our sanctification. Lord, Lord, sanctify them. Let the word of God sink deep in their heart. Let the word of God be the rule book instead of their emotions, instead of Hollywood, instead of uh, uh, Walt Disney. Dear God, sanctify them to thy word, thy truth. Thy word is truth. He's praying for our preservation. He's praying for our sanctification. Notice verse 24. He's praying for our glorification. Notice verse 24. Glorification. Hey, look, if this is the best I'm going to look, I'm in trouble. Thank you. I should have known you, Sardell, you'd say that. You know, I've been here so long, I just about know who's going to say amen to what. In fact, I got their name written in my Bible right there. When I say this, Marshall's going to say that. Are you glad you've got a Heavenly Father who cares about your preservation? He don't want you to see you get in trouble. He wants to preserve you from that, stop you from the wrecks that you're going to have in your life. And then he prays for your sanctification, that you would be sanctified find, separated, set aside for the use and the glory of Almighty God. When you and your wife are together, you ought to be talking about Jesus and talking about the Bible and encouraging one another to have a closer walk with the Lord. Can you say amen, amen, amen? And he's praying for our Savior and he's praying for our glorification. You know what that is? <laughs> you know what glorification is? Look at verse 24. You say, are you about done? He's already told me what time the ball game starts. Be quiet. Verse 24, this is wonderful. This is wonderful. Those, 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 those 11 guys are standing there listening to him and he says, Now, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. And they may behold my glory which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Now I don't know. And even if I knew I could not, with the limited vocabulary of a Tennessee redneck, I could not describe to you the glory of God. But I know Moses just saw the hinder part of God and his face and his hair. And his whole being was turned bright and shiny and his hair white like wool. I know when Stephen got full of the Holy Ghost that his face shined like an angel's face. I want you to know some of you men are eat up with double ugly I don't have anyone particularly in mind. But if you go home and ask your wife, was he talking to me? (laughs) She will refer to yonder bathroom mirror. (laughs) And you can go look for yourself. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it does not appear what we shall be. But when we see Him, we shall be made like Him into all of His glory, sin-free, miraculously and supernaturally transformed into the glory of God. I pray for them. But I pray not only for them, but for all them. That will believe on me through their word. Now I'm just going to lose my education just a minute. Ain't God good? To we who are not good. To those who in just a few hours is going to deny him. It will take just a little while before the cock crows three times. And foul-mouthed Baptist Peter starts cursing and using the Lord's name in vain out of fear. And our Lord says, I pray that they would be preserved, sanctified, and glorified. The place, the purpose, the plan. I'm done. Ain't that good? The purpose, the plan of the prayer. Well, notice the pattern, if you would please, of this prayer. It's a pattern for all of us here today. Preacher, I don't know how to pray. In this prayer, is our pattern to pray. First of all, if you look in verse 1, he prayed to the right place, he prayed to the Father. He said, Father, the hour's come. Are you glad you don't have to go to a little booth someplace and talk to somebody in their black pajamas just to get you through to heaven? Aren't you glad that you can go directly to the Father? Our privilege is today that you and I do not need the preacher. We do not need the priest. We do not need a godly Sunday school teacher. It is our privilege to go directly to the throne of grace. Holy Father, I am sure glad today that my spirituality does not depend on you. My access to the throne does not depend on somebody else. I'm glad I can go to the Father He speaks to the Father directly. A pattern for you. Be okay to ask people to pray for you? Usually when people ask me to pray for them, I I try to pray for them right then. You say out loud, no, God can hear me under my breath. Because if I say I will pray for them and they leave and somebody else comes up, I done forgot I told them I would pray for them. So if you come up and ask me to pray for you and you continue the conversation and I don't get on it, you might say, well, a sucker's probably praying for me right now. But I got news for you. Somebody's praying for you right now that has a whole lot better power with the throne than I do. A direct line. Can you say amen? Not only is he praying To the Father, now look at this. He's praying for the family. Now what's the family? God's family. God's family. To as many as receive him, to them gave he the power to become what? Sons of God. Beloved, now are you the sons of God. Notice verse number 21. Verse number 21 says this. And you need to look at this. The Bible said in verse number 21, That they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Did you hear that? God wants this entire family today to be so conscious, aware of your spiritual relationship. I know this is hard to believe. But God wants Philip Shuler to be so close to him, just as close as the Father and the Son are. God wants Joe Manuel, and his prayer is that Mrs. Your name is Jennings, isn't it? Mrs. Jennings would be so close to God that would be a spiritual unity and entity, her in Christ, Christ in her, her in Christ, in God. Our Father is praying for a spiritual oneness in this body and a spiritual unity in this body so that when one hurts, we all hurt. And when one expresses and receives joy, we all receive joy. Well, I can't do that and be critical of everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Amen. Well, what if Brother Shuler's not as smart as me? Well, just be so close to God. You make him as smart as you, not critical, but in love. See, he's praying to the Father for the family. This is his family. You say I hadn't been here in a while. Well, well, your family noticed that. And I'll bet you, if you hadn't been here for a while, your family has noticed you ain't been here for a while. And I'll bet you the folks you work with notice you hadn't been here for a while. Because we need that spiritual. Intimacy with the Father, with the Son, with each other. Our Lord said, I pray for them. You know somebody praying for you, today, Clint? Isn't that nice? You better hope she's praying for Mojo, huh? <laughs> stay with you. I tell you who really need to be for anybody from California. The Lord prays for them, especially Rob. <laughs> Amen. You say, why do you call names? Because we're family. Amen. And family knows that family members love each other. Amen. And there's no critical spirit. He prays for the family. And now I close with this and he prays for the future. Look at verse 26. He prayed that these 11 guys in the days to come when the battle gets worse, when society stoops its lowest, when the evil one raises his ugly head and begins to hang these men on the cross, And when they grab their stones and cast them into the holes of the earth and pound their very life out of them because of the testimony of Christ. When they sow them in wet skins of animals and turn them loose in the desert and the sun begins to scorch and warm and shrink the skins, and the skins absolutely squeezes the very life out of those that have believed on me because of their word. I pray for them. You say, I got it tough today. Someone is praying for you. But you don't understand what's going on. But somebody knows what's going on. And he's praying for you. That when the battle gets hottest and the world gets the worst and age overtakes you and misery begins to hurt and the body begins to ache. He says, I pray for them. Not for them alone, but for everyone that will believe on me because of their word. Ain't God good? I said, ain't God good? I just wrote down a footnote, and it's 1209. He prayed for them. He's praying for us now if I fail then it's my fault if I fail it is not his fault it's my fault and if I had not got saved and had died and gone to hell it would have been my fault. Because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Before he went on, he said, Come unto me, all ye that are heavy, are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. On the cross, he said it's finished. All you have to do now is just accept me by faith.